This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or For His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Chaplain Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I am so glad that you're choosing to join us today. We come together every Sunday as a body of believers all over the world to do just this, unify our faith, worship our Lord, renew our minds so that we can become more and more like Jesus. But if this is your first time joining us, just a very special welcome to you. I'm so glad that you found us and I'm so glad that you're going to be joining our service today. You are coming in halfway through, a little bit more than halfway through, our five-week series as we're taking our journey to the cross. And each week we've been unpacking these pivotal moments in the life of Jesus and his ministry to see what he's been doing as he makes his way to Good Friday and the resurrection on Easter Sunday so that we have a better understanding of who God the Father is, why Jesus came, why he loves us so much and what we can learn from him as we unpack his word each week. So I'm so glad that you're joining us today. We're going to be looking at the story in John chapter 11, how Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So lots to share with you today, lots to go over. But before we get started, let's open with prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity that we can come together as your children and learn more about you. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We ask that you open up our hearts and our ears for whatever it is that you have for us today, that you'll settle our minds, put aside all those things that we are struggling with today so that we can open up our minds to renew our lives and align our lives with your word. So we thank you for everything that you are going to do. We thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for how you sent your son into this world to walk among us so that we can learn to be like him. We thank you for forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. And we celebrate that today. We love you and praise you and thank you and ask these things in Jesus name. Amen. So as I mentioned, we are on week four of our series, Journey to the Cross. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at these really pivotal moments in the life of Jesus and his ministry, understanding what he's doing, the heart of the Father, and why he came. And I truly believe that unpacking these individual stories gives us a greater understanding of Jesus and this relationship that he wants to have with us. And so many times in our belief, in our walk, in our journey, we're not spending the time to understand who Jesus is. And way back in week one, we talked about that importance that if you're looking at someone from afar, if you don't understand who they are, if you don't know what they're about, it's hard to have a relationship with them. Then you're just kind of like an acquaintance. You're just like Uh, someone that you, you know, that they know about you and you know about them. But until you start 
having that conversation and still until you start diving in deeper to who they are as an individual you don't really get to know them you don't really get to grow that relationship and that's why this is so important for us to see who Jesus is so that we can have that fullness that relationship that he offers each one of us so this week we're going to look at the death of Lazarus and how Jesus raised him from the dead and as I mentioned this takes place in John chapter 11 so if you have your Bibles you're going to want to turn with me right now we're going to it's a large text we're going to kind of be reading it and then unpacking it as we go so a little bit differently than what we've done over the last couple of weeks but we're going to start in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick he was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we're going to stop right there for a second. Reading these verses has to cue us in that there is a relationship, that Jesus has a relationship with Lazarus and with Mary and with Martha. Now, Lazarus was brother to Martha and Mary who lived in Judea, south of the Mount of Olives near Jerusalem. And Lazarus is actually mentioned in the Bible several times. John chapter 11, Matthew 21, 17, Mark 11, 1, 11 and 12, 14 and verse 3, Luke 19, 29 and 24. 50. So multiple times Lazarus is mentioned. They were friends. There's a relationship there. The full extent of this relationship, we don't know whether or not they were friends growing up or knew about each other. But the Bible is showing us, John is showing us that there was a relationship there. And that's important for us to understand. So Jesus sent word, sorry, so the sister sent word to Jesus that he was sick, and so we pick up in verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was, for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now, maybe you've read this story before, or this is the first time that you're hearing about it, but truly when we just spelled out that Jesus has a relationship with Lazarus and Martha and Mary, those words, so when Jesus found out he stayed two more days, those words have to jump right off the page to us, right? We got to start asking questions like, why? Well, what's going on? Well, why would Jesus stay? And as we continue reading, we're going to have a better understanding of why Jesus is doing what he is doing. But this brings up a really important question as as we're looking at the text, is how many times do we see things happening in our lives and we we see the waiting 
and we ask God why. We're praying, we're questioning, and there's no immediate response to what we're asking for. Imagine Mary and Martha in these moments, right? The relationship that they have. They've sent word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick, yet one day rolls into two, and he's still not there. And, and that has to make us question for a moment, what is our waiting posture look like? How do we wait for the Lord? I know I used to wait like about 30 seconds. And then I was, well, God hasn't heard my prayer or God isn't interested in answering it. So I better work in my own strength and the own things that I've got, maybe something I can pull out of my bag or something I can create or something that I can do to like help God along. And each and every time I did that, tried to help God along, all I did was exasperate the situation. All I did was defeat myself. All I did was make a mess of things. So it's important as we're reading this story that we ask ourselves that question, how are we waiting on the Lord? When clearly we see that there are times that there is waiting that's that's happening. Are we waiting expectantly even when our time frame has come and gone? Are we still having faith in the waiting? Well, after two days, we read that he tells the disciples, let's go back to Judea. And there's conversation between Jesus and his disciples, they're concerned about going back because there was a recent incident where there were people that wanted to stone Jesus. And so there's concern about them wanting to protect Jesus and not go back. But as you read the text, you can see that Jesus is trying to use this as a teaching moment for them. And there's some words that that happen, you know, He says in verse 9, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. He's trying to, to share with them some things. And most importantly, he's he's saying that Lazarus has fallen asleep and that Jesus is going to wake him up. And they're still concerned, there's still questions. There's they're still questioning Jesus and they don't have it figured out what he's trying to say to them. And finally in verse 14, more plainly Jesus says, "Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe." But let us go to him. We we talked about last week that when Jesus walked on water to them in the boat and calmed the storm, that it was then that the disciples worshipped Jesus. It was then in that moment that they had said, you are truly the son of God, right? So some a little time has passed and maybe that incident 
that miracle has kind of worn off. Because you remember, just on the heels of Jesus feeding over 5,000 people, they were still doubting when Jesus was walking on the water to them. They still just couldn't wrap their minds around the miracles. And I think this is another instance. As the disciples are walking with Jesus each and every day, they themselves are having a hard time understanding who Jesus is and the fullness of what he is, that he is truly the son of God. And I think for us, if we are not being intentional with our walk, things will happen throughout our lives and we'll bump along and we'll go, oh yeah, God did that and oh yeah, I think God worked and moved there. But we don't understand the fullness of who he really is and the greatness, the vastness of his love for us and his power and his glory. And so this is another moment where, where Jesus is teaching his disciples saying, I'm doing this to show to you who I am so that you will believe. And not only the disciples, but all the people that were around. So we pick back up in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. I want you to think about this conversation for a second. The emotion between Martha and Jesus. The relationship that they had. And how challenging that must have been, right? Lord, if, if you had only been here, if you had only been here. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And while I believe that she believed that, in her grief and in her confusion and in her situation, I believe that she saw the limitations. Right? Lazarus was dead. Jesus was late. And she was not expecting a miracle. She was overwhelmed by her grief and her loss and questioning why Jesus hadn't come right away. We go back to that question. If you had been here, my brother would have died, wouldn't have died. And I think those words, I am the resurrection and the life, 
didn't fully sink in for her. Just like so many times we see Jesus explaining something to the disciples and they, they just don't fully get it. They just don't fully understand. So Jesus has to take another step and explain it a little bit uh, differently or um, fuller for them to understand. But I think in this moment, she was struggling. We pick back up in verse 28 if you're following along with your Bible. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we have those same words again, right? How many times have we said that? Lord, if you would have done this, things would have been different. Lord, if you would have in at, broken in at this moment, things would have been different. And now Mary says the exact same thing Martha says. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Now, I'm reading today from the NIV, the New International Version. And what I always want to encourage you to do is as you're studying the Bible, you need to be looking at different translations. You need to be comparing the text because Sometimes as it gets translated into a looser and looser, more understandable version, we can lose that original language of how it was written. And it's, and it's important to understand what those words mean. When we read it in the King James Version, it says that Jesus groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Groaned actually means to snort with anger, to have indignation. That's what that word means. So we have to ask ourselves, maybe originally you would have thought he was deeply moved. Maybe he was sad, just like the people that were crying and, and weeping and mourning. But no, he groaned in the spirit to snort with anger, to have indignation. Why was Jesus angry in this moment? Some suggest that Jesus foresaw his own approaching death and was shaken by that. 
but most interpreters of the text understand Jesus's anger to be evoked by the effects of death and its power to destroy someone he loved. God loves life. God's word promises us abundant life. God brings life into existence in beautiful ways. Death destroys what God creates and loves. And we have to remember, even when we go back to Genesis, right? What we see in the world today, the death that was happening here in the New Testament was not God's original design. When sin broke into the world, we have the brokenness of that, the consequences of that. And with that comes death and mourning and sorrow and sin. And you can see this emotion in his words. As we read that he groaned in the spirit and he asks them, where have you laid him? And they say, come and see, Lord. They replied. And in verse 35, we read, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Do you know that this is the shortest verse in the New Testament? And it is filled with everything that we could think of when we hear of that word, wept. I've wept before. That really nasty cry, when you're crying and your nose is running, you're weeping, you're so filled with sorrow. And I think this shows us that his love for us, his compassion for us, the anger by the effects of death, the grief for the people who were grieving and how he wished that they could understand that he was the resurrection and the life. This shows us the heart of the Lord and that when we are in our moments having that nasty cry, weeping and mourning, that Jesus is right there with us, that he understands what we've gone through, what we're going through, because he went through it also. He walked the journey in this world. He felt the effects of the brokenness of sin. He knows how we feel. That has to be something that rejuvenates your spirit this morning to know that Jesus knows how you feel. That has to be something that makes you feel connected to him and him connected to you. If you're struggling today understanding who Jesus is, these words alone, Jesus wept, has to show you that he's not only fully God but fully man and that he came here in this world and walked the journey to the cross and understands how we feel. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? 
goes back to those same questions that Mary and Martha had. Lord, if you'd only been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. You need to remember that the miracles that people saw Jesus doing, blind eyes open, people delivered from evil spirits, paralytic man healed, there were people with leprosy healed, the Sermon on the Mount, this amazing teaching that thousands of people came and watched. They have been following Jesus. They have been watching his miracles. And now they see that Jesus' own friend has not been spared. That Jesus didn't come back in time to heal his own friend. So there's this kind of talk that's happening on the scene. And then we read the final verses. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. There's a couple of key things in these final verses that I want to point out to you today that we just read. Four days. Four days. That has to jump right off the page. And why is this so important? Why does John tell us this? Why does Martha and Mary say this out loud? Lord, it has been four days. And it was extremely significant that Lazarus had been dead for four days as Judaic law taught that through to the third day, the spirit remained with the body and there was hope of resuscitation to life. I'm sure even today, we've heard of stories where someone, they thought they were dead, went to the morgue, and then in the morgue, they sat back up. Their, their body was so still, and they could barely hear that heartbeat that they thought they were dead. This was that way back then. Judaic law, through the third day, right, there was still this opportunity for the body to come back to life, and they believed that. And so it was so important that everyone knew 
He's been gone for four days. He's not coming back. This shows them the true miracle. This shows them beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what law says, that Lazarus was dead. There was a smell. Jesus raised him from the dead. It's also important to point out the prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father. Thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. We're looking at Jesus and his life and we're looking at him as our teacher. One of many things, right? Savior, friend, provider, teacher. Jesus was a teacher, a rabbi. And we need to remember that Jesus is our teacher. We read his truth and how he walked this life and we learn from him. We learn from him from this bird's eye view of exactly how the disciples learned from him. Walking with him. Following him every single day. Listening to his teachings. And believing that our Father in heaven hears us when we pray. Jesus is showing us how to have a relationship with the Father. So we need to be believing that our Father not only heard Jesus, but he hears us as well. Jesus is showing us that our Father in heaven always hears us. And where do we have to check ourselves is what are we praying for? What are we praying for in our daily walk? Believing that the Lord hears us, but praying it out in a way that aligns with God's word. Our lives should always be in line with God's word. God doesn't operate outside of his word. So if we're praying for things that are even in the Bible, worldly things, earthly things, fleshly things, those things aren't going to be answered because those are outside of God's word. Jesus also is showing us that all glory points to the Father. And that's how we need to ask ourselves and check ourselves. Are we living a life that's bringing glory to God? Have we fully aligned our lives with his word? Because when we do that, we can be confident that he hears us and will answer our prayers. And then lastly, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes. I think sometimes as we are walking around as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, that we still have our grave clothes on. We're still walking around in these tattered clothes. We're still walking around saying that we love Jesus, saying that we believe in him, but we're not fully walking in that 
resurrection life. We're not fully walking out the fullness of everything Jesus offers us when he gives us new life, when he redeems us and restores us and renews us. We've got our old clothes on still. We're not fully believing who we are. Born again. Believers with new life. Everlasting life. The fullness of that relationship. And that's so important. And these red letters are what we need to take with us today. Take off the grave clothes. Live in the fullness and the abundance of what Jesus promises us. I also want to point out as we're going through this text and making our way to the cross that this final miracle that that John points out talks about what happens that leads to the crucifixion. So in in verse 45, Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. This meeting is what started the plot for the death of Jesus. This was the final straw for the Sanhedrin. We're not just talking about blind eyes open and thousands being fed with a few fish and loaves. We are talking about resurrection. Resurrection from the dead. And they began to plot Jesus' death. But here's the thing. Jesus knew. Jesus knew the first moment that he started his ministry, when he turned water into wine, that this was the path he was walking. This is why he came. He came for us. He came so that we could have everlasting life and forgiveness of sins and be born again into that fullness that God promises us. This was not a surprise to Jesus. This is why the Father sent him. Jesus knew the journey he was taking and he was obedient to the Father. And he kept walking it out all the way to the cross. I also want to point out, and this is really important, as I looked at the other Gospels, as I looked for this story, because 
I've shared with you that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have a different writing style, different aspects that they've shared about the ministry, but only in John do we find the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and I was intrigued by that. I was curious as to why the other disciples did not bring up this story. And so commentators really had different viewpoints about this. But one was that John wrote his gospel after the events had all taken. Each one of them. John wrote the gospel of John later in his life, after considerable time had passed. Matthew, Mark, and Luke could have left out this story to save Lazarus from any further persecution, speculation, attention while he lived out the rest of his life. You can imagine today what it would look like if somebody were raised from the dead and all the people, the paparazzi, all the people would want to get an interview with him and talk with him about what happened. There would be naysayers. There would be people that would uh, send him death threats. There would be all these things that happened today. It's the same back then. The miracles that happened to those people, people would come up to them and some would believe and some wouldn't. I believe what this commentator is saying is that perhaps to save him from that, to keep him safe, only John talked about this miracle. And it happened later. John recorded the story later after maybe Lazarus had died lived a full life and then eventually passed away of old age, perhaps to keep him safe because of this miracle. And I think that that's important for us to understand as we read the Bible and understand the people that are writing it, how they took care of each other, what their goals were to share the gospel how they went about and did certain things. That's important for us to know. So as we close out our time today, I want to look at some things to ask ourselves some questions on how we are living our lives each day as believers or maybe as investigators right? Still searching for answers about Jesus. Maybe you haven't yet fully committed your life. You're still trying to understand who Jesus is. You're comparing him to other prophets, other religions. You're not really sure yet about who Jesus is. I want to look at some things that we have learned about Jesus and the heart of the father who sent him. Jesus is the resurrection, and the life. Jesus is, and because of that resurrection, because he died on a cross and with him on the cross was all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our pain, he rose again and conquered death and conquered sin. And because of that, we are resurrected with him 
into that new life when we believe. When we invite him into our hearts and, and walk that out every single day, we can do that. We can walk on top of our circumstances and confident of where we are going until Jesus returns because of that, because of Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. Also, believers, just like you and I, are to grieve just like the people did in the New Testament with hope. Jesus shows us that grief is a real thing, that when you love someone and they die, we are going to experience the same things that Mary and Martha and their friends did, and even Jesus losing someone that you love. But we have hope because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, because when we die in this life, this is just a blip on the radar compared to an eternity in heaven with Jesus. We can have hope with that so that when people do die that we love, yes, we will mourn, but we will see them again in heaven. And so we do mourn and grieve with hope. I also want to point out that Jesus has compassion and loves each one of us and calls each one of us by name. As he stood at that tomb, what did he say? Lazarus, come out. And he said that to me, Amy, come out. And I know he said that to each one of us. And when we have that experience, take off the grave clothes. You are now alive and renewed and in me, you have new life. You can put aside that old life and the grave clothes and you can walk out that freedom that you have with me today. But each one of us are offered that relationship. He knows each one of us by name and calls us by name. We also have to remember that Jesus does everything for God's glory. This is the reason why we named the ministry for his glory ministry, because it is a constant reminder that everything we do is not for Amy's glory, not for my family's glory. It is for God's glory and all glory goes to him. Are we aligning our lives with that? Each of us, as we're doing our own things, I know there are those of you out there today that have your own ministries, that are doing your own things. Make sure that all glory goes to God. None for us. Because we can't do what we do without God and His power and His strength. Make sure that what each of us are doing each day is for God's glory. And then finally, Jesus' wisdom and knowledge supersedes that of man. Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if you would have only done this, then I wouldn't have gone through that situation. Jesus, if you would have only been there, if you would have only been there, how many times have you said that in your life? 
And this example shows us that it's not in our timing. It's for God's timing and God's glory that Jesus did what he did. And God can work all of those things out, all of those negative things out for his glory. He can take death and make it into new life. He can take depression and make it into hope. He can restore your marriage that is almost in divorce and, and make it like a honeymoon again. He can restore all things, but it is in his timing and we cannot lose faith. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to look at the clock and say, why isn't he here yet? We have to believe that he has our best interests in mind and that he is going to come. And when he does, things will work and move supernaturally in the fullness of that time. Remember, it's not our time. Time is different for God. He is beginning and end, alpha, omega. He's our past, our future. He's our present. He's all things. And he doesn't look at it the way we do. He's looking down into all of our lives so that it can all come together and work together, that we can all work together for his glory. That's how we need to be looking at it each day. One day at a time, one step at a time as we journey in these lives towards heaven. Jesus took the path to the cross so that we could have everlasting life, so that we could be restored to the Father, so that we could have complete access to the throne room of God while we are here on earth. And that's just going to continue when someday we cross over and live out our remaining days in heaven. But you need to have that relationship. You need to believe. You need to have the Lord as the Savior of your life. As we look at the world today, things are changing. Things are coming to an end. And I love that word soon. I am coming soon. We don't know when soon is, but he asks us to be ready. He asks us to make sure that our lives are aligned with his word. He asks us to follow him. This story today of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is another example of how we need to walk this out every single day, trusting and believing that the Lord is the resurrection and the life, believing and grieving with hope, believing that Jesus calls each one of us by name and has compassion for us, believing that everything Jesus did was for the glory of God and believing that Jesus knows best that his wisdom and his knowledge and his love supersedes anything that we could do. Isn't it time to take off the grave clothes? Isn't it time to live in the fullness of that relationship with Jesus Christ and everything he offers us? Isn't it time? Amen.
Let's pray. Father God, I am I'm so grateful for Jesus. I am so grateful that I can call him teacher and savior and friend. And I pray that for each person watching today, Lord, each person listening, that they will have and desire and want that same relationship with Jesus. So if there's anyone out there today that is ready to follow Jesus or recommit their lives to him, let us take this opportunity to pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have followed my own path and I have lived in the flesh and I'm tired and I'm done with that and I want to turn my life around in you. I want to follow you the rest of my days and so I ask now Jesus that you come into my heart that you rule my life. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you took a journey to the cross. I believe that you died on the cross and three days later was resurrected and went into heaven. And with that, I am offered forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. I believe that today. Please forgive me. Please walk with me. Please Help me follow you. If you said that prayer, I am so excited for you and the relationship, the fullness of that relationship that you now get to have with Jesus. And that is the desire of our Father for all of us to be known as his children, for all of us to know his son, for all of us to have that fullness, that relationship. Does it make it easy? No. We are still living in a broken world. We are still living in these human shells. But it is this journey that we take one day at a time, one step at a time, following God's word, listening to him, living that out, listening to the Holy Spirit that we get to keep moving forward and into our eternity that we are promised in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for today and your truth. Holy Spirit, thank you for opening up our hearts and our ears. Thank you for everything that you are going to do. We love you and praise you and thank you and give you all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and for joining us. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.